Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. In this episode, we bring you one of the strongest men in the country when he's not too busy pulling planes, trains, and automobiles. He's focused on running strongman events, appearing in circuses, and performing at the fringe. It's none other than Jordan Biggie Steffens. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. This episode would not be possible without the support of our sponsors and this week we would like to highlight Flex Fitness Equipment. Flex Fitness Equipment is the number one supplier of CrossFit competition equipment and they proudly provide state-of-the-art products to Australia's biggest fitness events. This company is Proudly endorsed by today's guest, Jordan Biggie Steppens. Without further ado, let's speak to the man himself about all things Strongman, including what led Jordan into Strongman as a career, the future of the sport in Australia, and what it's like competing at the world's strongest man competition. So please welcome Jordan Biggie Steppens. Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stockbridge, and joining me as co-host today, we've got Isabella Rossitano. What's up? <laughs> we've got Matt Hollywood Connolly. Hello. And we've got Jordan Biggie Stevens. <laughs> Fantastic. And so thanks so much for joining us. This is our very first of what we hope will be many podcasts covering all things combat sports. And of course, uh, Jordan, you're our feature athlete today. Uh, we were talking off air just a little bit ago about injuries uh, in the strongman field. Um, but before we get there, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey in strongman. Tell us how you got into it and tell us where you're at with strongman right now. Mate, you are scraping the bottom of the barrel if this is the type of athlete that you're looking for. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but no, look, uh, I guess my career has been quite a long one in the sport. Uh, started at Flinders University wrestling, uh, amateur wrestling, uh, through my sort of junior years, through 13, through to about 15. Got scouted for weightlifting at the Institute of Sport here, Sassy. Took up weightlifting from about 15 through to about 27. Um, but in that time, I also switched between weightlifting and strongman. Uh, strongman, I started at about 17, hmm. 16 years old, so quite young. Yeah. Um, and then worked through my career doing uh, weightlifting and strongman mainly, or mainly, and uh, got uh, some very good opportunities to travel overseas, compete for my country in both strongman and weightlifting. Um, been very blessed to work with some of the best athletes in the world, um, some of the best sort of performers in the world, travel to Russia a lot. And, um, you know, just again, very lucky to have the career I've had to compete at the highest levels. Um, and then now I guess I've sort of sort of come closer to the end of my career and uh, have moved away. I retired uh, in Russia a few years back um, and then now coach the next generation of guys coming through. Uh, because I think it's their turn to do some of the hard yards and uh, leave me to deal with my old man injuries, um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, just happen in time. So, um, like I said, I'm into the coaching role now and enjoying that thoroughly. Fantastic. And nice. so tell us a little bit about the state of strongman in the world right now. I guess for me, uh, I stepped away 
um, in about 2017 from competitive strongman. I moved into the world of circus strongman into performing rather than competing. Is that where the moustache comes in? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> mate. I, I didn't do mine up. Yours looks absolutely <laughs> tremendous and I feel yes. like a bum like I've just rolled <laughs> off the street. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've sort of stepped away. So I, I keep tabs on the next generation of guys coming through. Uh, here in Australia we have uh, the old guard who is a, a friend of mine named Luke Reynolds. Um, he's one of the only guys left sort of from my period of time. Uh, but there's some guys coming through, a guy by the name of Mitchell Hooper. He mm-hmm. was here in Adelaide a week and a bit ago. He um, he actually took a record of mine that was there for six years. No, mm. it's good. It needs to be broken. <laughs> it was there for six years. It was just there for way too long. He lifted a stone that was 220 kilos oh. while our record was 213. It huh. stood for six years. Many guys had tried. Mitchell had reset it. But the most amazing part about this is in this competition, he deadlifted the Australian record before doing this. Oh. He deadlifted 435 kilos. No. He attempted 455 and just missed it. Wow. But the part that blows your mind is he's 25 years old. <laughs> he's been in the sport for one year. Wow. Incredible. He is the next generation. And this is when you ask about where the sport is now. The generational change going forward is just astronomical. These are things that I could have never dreamed of doing even at my best. Um, And it's so cool for me to sit back and watch this next generation come through, breaking the records that I set or, or we set as a group, you know, five, six years ago. The next generation of guys, especially like Mitchell, he is going to take Australian strongman to that next level. He really will. But again, guys like Luke Reynolds who have been around are not making it easy for him, and that's the real cool thing too. I can see the guys I competed against for ten years still, you know, making it hard for these guys to go through. So there's a nice little, you know, generational change of guard, but there's yeah. still nice to see the old guys are still pushing as well. So Australian strongman is looking stronger. The world level is, uh, I guess, like anything in a little bit of turmoil due to. Hmm that global bastard going around at the moment. Um, So on the world scene, there's so many young guys, a guy named Tom Stoltman from Scotland, him and his brother Luke, the two strongest brothers in the world. Mm. Tom uh, attempted a 300-kilo stone lift, which is just not normal. Um, Novikov, who's the top Ukrainian young kid, like 25 as well, (laughs) one world's strongest man last year. I pick him as the favourite again this year. It's really cool to see the next generation of guys, but, you know, it's just there's a lot of positive things going forward, absolutely. And is, is that a matter of athletes? So, so you were mentioning you kind of grew up in the sport in mm. some respects, but uh, that next generation that are coming through, are they crossing over from other sports into strongman now? I believe there is a crossover as well, but I believe things are just easier to be found. So yeah. I guess not saying I had it hard or anything like that, but mm. when I sort of started, I was training at one gym at the Institute of Sport here for weightlifting. There was only one strongman gym. To find out details, you learnt it from the guys previous to you. You learnt mm. it from your mentors. Or if you were lucky enough to compete around the country, you learnt it from your peers. Mm. When I started in Australia, there was maybe 30 guys, maybe maybe 20 yeah. Australia-wide competing. Now you get 30 people at one comp. You get 30 girls at one comp or 30 yeah. guys at one comp. You know, there's just so much to be drawn from. Social media's made it so much easier to to learn type of stuff and and just outreach to to people and learn that type of stuff, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, so I believe that's one thing. But like anything, I think generationals just get better and better and better, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, so I believe there's, uh, 
you know, it's just I think it's more ready knowledge and stuff like that. There's more gyms that train strong men. You can get your hands on equipment a lot easier. Um, so there is some some good positives to come out of that as well. Yeah, so it's, it's a matter of that it's not such a, a, a subculture anymore. It's something, it's something that's kind of seeping through into the mainstream. Absolutely. Yeah. When I first started, it was a very underground sport, kind of like how arm wrestling and everything like that is yeah. quite an underground type thing, but it's now starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger and gain traction. Um, you go to any gym and somebody will tell you they're a strong man. Yeah. You know, like you, you know, or, or that type of stuff or, you know, any bloke in a pub can do an arm wrestle, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah, just, right. it's that type of scene. But it's going to get to the point where it's just getting more and more and more and more people are doing it so that pushes each other up. It's like anything, if you have a training partner or someone you work with, you get better, they get better, you get better, they get better, and that just keeps going on and keep going on. Yep. And I believe that's what's happening. The more there is, the more higher level there is. Of course, you're going to have more down low level guys, mm-hmm. but it can push up the top level guys a fair bit as well. Yeah, we, we were talking just before about uh, unfortunate arm breaks in arm wrestling and how strong men can uh, – mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a, been a thing just recently. Um, so uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some well, of those. Well, I'm glad you guys haven't suffered anything too major, right, in your <laughs> career so far? Well, nothing too bad yet. Touch wood, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go, yeah. touch wood. We well, we've had a little bit of a something-something <laughs> with yourself of. as well, but <laughs> I guess it's one of those things. I'm not 21 anymore. I'm 31 now, <laughs> turning 32, so... I always thought I'd go through my career with no injury. I always what? thought I'd go. Why would you think that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was young and dumb, that's why. <laughs> it was just one of those things, you know, I went through my career as a lifetime drug-free athlete. I was clean my whole way through my career. I always thought, well, it's the guys that take performing enhancing supplements that they're the ones that get injured, tendon snap because muscle's growing too quickly for the tendons to handle. Yeah. But I started at... 13. I started serious training at 13 hmm. years old. So my training years are in excess of 99.9% of people by the time they end their career in their 40s. Hmm. And I'm only in my early 30s. So I um, ruptured my left bicep off leading into the fringe in 2018, 2019, hmm. um, which sucked, but I was still able to do the fringe, which was great. I was attempting an Australian record in training <laughs> because... You know, that's what you do. Dick swinging, stupidity, yeah, big ego, typical male, right? <laughs> um, so it's just one of those things. So I ruptured the left bicep off doing that. Um, rehabbed really well, got back in, did the fringe, uh, came through that really well. Uh, COVID came, ruined the world. Then we went through into, um, hopefully you don't get demonetized because of that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I swear. Sponsored by COVID. And we came back into uh, this year. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff at the Fringe this year, working with RCC, doing strongman shows there, mm-hmm. uh, upskilling myself with acrobatics and working with the best circus in the country here in Adelaide. Unfortunately, the story isn't even really that good. Um, the first <laughs> well, that one sucks. The first, <laughs> right? Make something up. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was trying to pick up this car with one arm, but that's, that's, it. <laughs> that, that's a cool story. That's yeah. obviously not what happened. Okay. Right? But it was the first one I did lifting 185 kilos. This one I did with a 45 kilo girl. <laughs> right, I know it's not even anything. Oh, I good. believe the car stories. <laughs> no, yeah, stick with that one then. You won't do that, okay? So we had the girl. Up. We were literally warming up. So she was standing in hands. We were switching between hands. So she'd have two feet in one hand, mm-hmm. laying on the ground, just to warm up wrists, warm up arms. Unfortunately, we've lost a little bit of contact. She's tipped. Mm-hmm. I've freaked out, gone to catch her, but she's caught herself. Uh-oh. And unfortunately, my arm was pinned under the ground. And she's come down straight on top of my forearm, which has popped the bicep oh. off. Now, she was devastated, and she is the most sweet, 
lovely girl. And, you know, we heard it pop. I knew it happened. Mm. I saw it and went, yeah, that's bicep rupture. She was in tears. I said, look, it happens. That is just the life of an athlete. I said, you know, she'd, she's torn her ankle off doing um, cheerleading. Like mm. she ripped it apart. She's got no ligaments left in her ankle. I said, it's the exact same thing. You can't blame someone else for that happening. It could have been so much worse. Yeah. She could have come down on my peck and tore my peck off. She could have come down on her head and broken mm. her neck. She, yeah. It could have been so many worse things that happened. A ruptured bicep is bad, mm. but it's something I've come back from once and I'll come back from again. Mm. Um, so it was just one of those things where injuries happen in sport. Like you said, how could I think my whole career <laughs> yeah. I was going to be injury-free? But that was just because I thought I was going to be and I was young um, but now the older I've gotten the more I've learned mm. and to understand that injuries happen but it makes you better when you come back mm. you understand how to come back mm-hmm. but you also understand from a coaching point of view so dealing with athletes that have injuries dealing with the mental side of it it's mental not physical as soon as it's reattached it's mm. just healing it's how you wake up every morning in a sling and go, how do I make my day worthwhile? Yeah. How do I go about keeping myself motivated? And how do I just come back and go, okay, I'm going to hit the ground running at 12 weeks because that's when I'm allowed to go. And then what am I going to be doing in 12 weeks' time and making sure everything's set in place mm-hmm. so when you hit 12 weeks, you're off and running. Mm-hmm. So it's mental more than anything else. It, with any injury, knee, back, doesn't really matter what it is. You can come back. It's just about how you grasp it through that 12-week period. And you have ups and downs. There's days I hated life. But you just know um, there is going to be an end period. Mm. 100%. 100% agree yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Did you say you were you were squatting in the gym the next day after tear or something? <laughs> yeah, so I was. I, I did take a day or two off. I would have gone back the next day if I was allowed to, but I, I went back in the gym a few days later. Got the safety bar squat out because he's got the handles here, so I just chuck one hand and then just start squatting, which is funny because I'll tell you now, because I was squatting this whole time, I've developed knee tendonitis as well as knee. So before I came here today, I was getting dry needling done on my knee because there was a little bit of tendonitis issue and a little bit of fraying of the tendon. So I am truly an old man. Uh, so you truly. say you say old man, but you're 31. Is that old in, uh, in strong man? Is that no? No, Mark Felix, um, 55 years old, just broke a world record in the UK. Right, Just wow. deadlifted 515 kilos. Oh, or, what? 515 or 555 off of a, a high bar. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, yeah, Mark started in his late 40s, mid-40s. <laughs> he started and made World's Strongest Man multiple times. Wow. A, a true um, just icon to us because he's in those senior years but still hanging with the best guys in the world. Yeah. So Mark is, is unreal, uh, good guy. Again, personally never got the chance to compete with him. I would have loved to. I heard so many good stories. Uh, but just an absolute machine. So guys are sort of in their peaks from their early, late 20s through to sort of mid-30s. And Do you feel you peaked early because you started training Absolutely. so early? Is yeah, that, yeah. It's I, just wear and tear. I believe it's my training years that have, have come up so quickly, but yep. also my passion changed as well. Okay. Um, my biggest thing chatting to people is I like to say I've won a hell of a lot of competitions, mm. but I've lost a hell of a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I can go home and see a shit ton of trophies on the stage and on my on my wall. But, again, it's now the point of going, okay, you get to a point in your career where winning isn't everything anymore. Mm. And I got to the point where I was doing competitions where I had more fun 
playing up to the crowd and seeing the crowd's interaction with me than actually winning a competition. <laughs> like a trophy's great. Don't get me wrong. We all want to win. There is <laughs> there is still a deep down side of me where I see things and go, huh, <laughs> I reckon I still win that if I had a crack at it. <laughs> but, you know, the winning side just got to a point where it didn't mean anything anymore. There was the connection to the crowd that I enjoyed more. That's why I moved from competitive strongman to performance-based strongman into the circus, into performing, into that type of stuff. So as a crossover essentially here, so you've gone from that competition work to now entertainment mm-hmm. as much as anything. I found it that I was more entertaining than I was ever good at actually doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to draw, I seem to enjoy just being there in the moment Um you know, the amount of times I'd go to competitions and I remember the Arnold Classic 2015 and 2014, a girl came to watch me compete and I spoke to her in the crowd and her dad and she came back every year to the Arnolds to watch me compete wow. every year and she'd get a photo of me every year. Oh, wow. And that meant more to me than winning hmm. by a mile. That was just such a cool thing. You know, her dad would message me going, are you coming to the Arnold's this year? Are you competing mm. this year? Um, you know, just I'm, because. I'm glad you said that because she's here now. No, <laughs> she's not. <laughs> Door number three. Yeah, she's not <laughs> putting me in the spot, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just one of those funny things where I just get so much more enjoyment. You know, people, a lost art form in Strongman is people think Strongman is just about your show and that's it. Mm-hmm. People need to come and understand that people are coming to pay to watch you do a show, so you need to give mm-hmm. something back. There's big sponsors, big money, and you need to, I believe, look the part, act the part, as well as, you know, perform in the end. Yeah. So I just believe there's a, a lot of little things that people don't really think about. You go to a competition and watch someone that's just boring as, you watch them do something and you just go, uh, Mm. Yeah, they're really strong. That was really impressive. But, mm. you know, there's no – you don't get no a engagement. feel and touch or engagement with that person. Absolutely. You know, you, just having that engagement, that attitude, you know, and a good attitude too um, just makes a massive difference to a show. And promoters and people like that will notice that type of stuff mm. too. I think it's hard for an audience, especially when they're watching a strongman competition mm. and they can't – really relate to how mm. heavy that thing mm. is. It's like mm. it looks really heavy, but, you know, with the difference between 400 kilos and 500 kilos to the average person, mm. they don't know. It's like it looks heavy and then it looks heavy. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, a, that, that's it. And that's always the biggest thing that a lot of young guys that I try and work with to teach them is that, yeah, once it's 400 kilos, no one knows what 400 kilos really feels like. Yeah. And you're, you've got to understand that sometimes doing a show, especially, not to always try and kill yourself every show because it doesn't just – you're going to ruin your own health and people in the crowd aren't going to understand the difference. Mm. So if I pulled a truck, people are going to freak out because I've pulled a truck. Mm. Just because, like, I put, you know, 10 more things on the back of it, they're just going to go, well, you're still pulling a truck. Like, people don't necessarily understand that. Less likely, again, probably with a truck you can see that difference of size. So it would make a bit of a difference with a truck. But if I was to, say, carry a yoke – with weights on either side, they're just going to look at it and go, well, there's just a lot of weight. A lot of weight. Mm. Yeah. I could put 300 kilos on there. I've done shows, um, say, I did Medieval Festival a few years back where I lifted stones at Medieval Festival, mm. painted my face blue, did the whole Braveheart <laughs> thing, shirtless, nice. kilt on, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the stones are up to about 150. Mm. To your average punter, that's like a fridge. I'm yeah. basically lifting a fridge. Yeah. 
to all the other strongman guys, like, well, Jordan, we've seen you do 213 kilos. Why don't mm. you go that heavy? I'm like, well, I don't need to go that heavy. Mm. I don't need to. I don't need to risk injury to go mm. that heavy. The crowd would have gone ballistic no matter what way mm. I did it. And I didn't run through the stones. I walked through it. Could I have run through it? Absolutely. But then the show's over in five seconds. Yeah. It's playing to the crowd. It's understanding what the crowd wants to see and understanding how you can make it the best, almost bang for them, buck. Yeah. Mm. But that's the difference between, I guess, moving from a um, competitive mindset uh, through to a, um, a show mindset. But, again, when you get to the top level, to World's Strongest Man, when we did World's Strongest Man qualifiers, Everything's based around television. Mm. So we were getting ready. We were all warmed up. We had a keg carry, so it was like a 140-kilo keg. You had to carry as far as you possibly could. So we're sitting there. We're dead set, warm, ready to go. The TV cameras are setting up. Guys like, cool, ready to go. Yep. Ten seconds later, no, no not not everything's ready yet. Cool. Mm. It's going to be ten minutes. Oh. So we had to wait there for ten minutes. Yeah. Ready to go? Yep. Mm. No warm-up. You go. No. You go. That's what it takes at that level. Everything is made for that television watching you, mm. not just for you. And a lot of guys tend to, it, it's very, uh, it, it kind of hits you quite hard. You sort mm. of go, oh, shouldn't the world just revolve around me? I'm the athlete. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because you're working for a TV show. Well, Strongest mm. Man's a television show. Mm. It's to make the best show possible for people to watch on television. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a very different world when you get to that real top level to learn exactly how the real world works. I think combat sport's moving that way. It's uh, it's mm. it's entertainment mm. first and foremost for the public. It's the spectacle mm. and the athleticism uh, that's required to uh, to meet that standard is so high now mm. uh, that sometimes that's lost in the spectacle. Yeah, I think it's you find the guys who really stand out like that, though. You find the guys and the girls who can do both. Hmm. And they're the ones that make the big dollars. They're the ones that people want to come and see. Ta-da. Just go to me. I've, I've gone nowhere. But um, <laughs> like guys like Conor McGregor or guys like, you know, um, hmm. that have the charisma and, and the skill to back it up at the same time. Uh, you know, can see exactly what you're saying with that. And, yeah, that spectacle part of it is such – an important thing which we've been trying to push with the SA Titan sort of the arm wrestling thing. It's like whenever I put the videos out, um, you know, people don't know the level that we're, we're at. We're, we're club level arm wrestlers. We're not mm. professionals. Like we're not world class, but mm. you know, we, we try our best and we do a good mm. job and we have some strong guys there. But um, for people who are watching it on YouTube or seeing it for the first time, um, they don't realise uh, that, you know, we're not at that absolute world level, but we are better than they would be. Mm-hmm. So it's still an interesting thing for them to watch. Mm-hmm. We make it interesting. We have, you know, the shirts, we've got the nicknames, we've got, you know, the interviews and, and trying to get these matches out and rankings and all that sort of thing that people can come and see and go, oh, oh I know this guy or People have turned up to the club. They know our nicknames. They don't know who my real name is. And that's really good because yeah, that knows you're going in the right direction. Exactly. That's so cool. Really yeah. good. And, and people don't d- disseminate the difference between that that 100 kilo Atlas ball and the 200 kilo one. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't know. And similarly, they don't know the difference between. Uh, say, Devin Larratt's ability and mm. maybe a club-level arm wrestler, but if the arm wrestling's uh, even yeah. and it's an even battle, that's mm. that's the spectacle and mm. that's what people will watch first and foremost is the spectacle. They'll be drawn to that. Um, it's like a, just any even race is always cool to watch. Um, so t- tell me your thoughts on what the, the future of Strongman is now. Is, is it moving in that direction of uh, entertainment? That's going to be the home for our... Uh, 
It it all depends. It, every different level has a different aspect. Right. Um, you go to your grassroots stuff, it's more about, you know, uh, I guess that family type, everyone doing it, you know, good on you for trying type attitude and just bringing everyone together for that type of, I guess, good feeling, right? Like everyone getting involved, kind of like your, your, your grass level football, your grass level type, that type of sport. So then you move up the levels as it gets a bit more serious. You sort of see athletes sort of drop off and that type of stuff as training gets harder. Mm. Um, of course, you know, performance enhancing supplementation becomes a big thing at that point in time to reach the top level. Um, so, again, it's one of those types of things. It just sort of, I guess, like a pyramid, the numbers slowly get less and less as you mm. get to the top. But that's like that in any sport. Uh, you don't see anyone just go to the Olympics, right? Mm. It's the same type of thing. So it's what I believe the the people and promoters want to pick. So, you know, these days more so than ever, they do have like a, a system in place to get to certain competitions to build to levels of comps. And I think that's a, a very good way of doing things, mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying with the arm wrestling, building the ranking system and all that type of stuff. Strongman's starting to go along those lines. Still struggles on that sense because strongman, and this is probably going to annoy a lot of people, it's not a real sport. Hmm. Sorry. It's the top level of. You can say that. Yeah, look, uh, the, 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 it's just one of those things where you get to a level. Well, strongest man is a TV show. Everyone hates that term, but you know, but it is. It's no different to like Who Dares Wins. It's no different mm. to Big Brother. It's a TV show run by a TV company. There is a promoter. His name's Colin Bryce. He picks the guys to do the competition. Mm-hmm. No different to you going to Big Brother and auditioning. Mm-hmm. You basically audition by being fucking strong. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you get your spot. And I think that's a good way of doing things because mm-hmm. you can then cherry pick the best guys. But then it can be a bad thing too because then those guys cherry pick the guys they want <laughs> as well. So there is, you know, there should be guys at World's Strongest Men that deserve spots. Mm. And there's guys that get to World's Strongest Men because they have a lot of followers on Instagram mm. or mm. other reasons. Mm. But that's fine too because that's the way the sport works. Mm. So you do need that crossover effect because you can get guys from other sports. It's like CM Punk taking up mm. UFC. You need that crossover. That's yep. going to pull the pro wrestling guys into UFC, right? Mm. Um, you know, So you do have that crossover effect. That's going to piss some people off. Mm. Me being me, I don't really care too much, but I can mm. understand why the noise guys that have been training for 20 years and they want a spot and they don't get it because yep. someone's got more followers. But that's just the way it works. Mm. That's just life. So I do believe there is a a better system to get to strongman now. But again, when you get to the top level, um, people just, the beginners and the newbies will get a very sharp surprise at how it works. It was a sharp surprise for me. Uh, The first pro show I did, uh, the last event of the day was we were running late and they needed to close up for the day. They put me down as it did not finish, even though I didn't do the run. They Mm -hmm. said, you and another guy aren't going to do the run. Yeah. And I was fucking devastated. Mm. I went behind the chairs and just fucking sat there and went, is this really what Strongman's like where you get to a level and because you're not quite as good as the top guys that Mm. were there, you just get cut loose. Mm. As I sat there and thought about it and as the weeks went on, I went, you know what, that's just the way it is. Mm. They pay for time. They pay for this, that and the other. I wasn't up to the standard that's life. Mm. You have to deal with that. If you can't deal with that, don't do the sport. Yeah. If you can't deal with being cut because you're not good enough, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's other sports you can do. Mm. Um, and then the next year I trained my ass off, came back and did all the events mm. and did as good as I possibly could. Yeah. Um, so it's a learning thing for guys uh, when you get to that top level and, you know, you really the cream rises to the top, as we all know. Is there always that question, Mark, in your mind when you, you're not uh, using performance enhancers as to mm. how, how much further could I have gotten or how many spots on the totem pole would that take me? Yeah, look, mm. I'm one of those types of people that, I turn around and say I'm lifetime drug-free, which yep. I am, but I don't turn around and tell people to believe me. If people don't want to believe that I'm clean, they don't have to. That's the the part of life you can choose to believe what people say or not. Yep. Uh, the, all the top guys that I've competed against know that's the case. Uh, a lot of the guys choose not to believe it, and that's absolutely fine. That's their choice completely in life. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, could I have gone further? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Did I? No. Did I get as high as I possibly could? Yeah. Yep. Am I happy with where I got to? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I know I did it all myself? Absolutely. Uh, do I feel like I wasn't a sheep like everybody else? Absolutely. <laughs> Good work. Yep. But at the same time, you look at it some days and go, man, if I just did that, I would have had this role and I would have like, I would have maybe made 10 grand or 100 mm-hmm. grand or, you know, won a show where it was big money or maybe I would have gone to World's Strongest Man five times. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have done this, that and the other. Yeah. It can be kind of depressing <laughs> to look at sometimes, but at the same time, I can sit back and look at it and go, I believe I did as good as I possibly could. Um, I represented my country as good as I could. I represented my family, my friends, my sponsors, everyone who has supported me to the best level I possibly could and uh, left nothing in the tank hmm. or left no two biceps completely in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, what, and what a great ethic for all of those people that are now training under you uh, to, to work work within. Yeah, and that's one of those things. I, I, you know, in a sport that's non-drug tested, I have no dramas with athletes using performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. No problem at all. If that is what the sport entails, if it is non-drug tested, you do whatever you want to do. It's your body, your life. You go as hard as you possibly can. But understand the outcome at the end of it, understand mm. the risks you take in anything. Mm. You run out in the middle of the road with heaps of traffic, understand the risk you're going to get hit by a car. Well, mm. you might not. You might get lucky. <laughs> but at the same time, understand the risks, but also understand just because you take performing enhancing drugs doesn't mean you're going to be good. Mm. And then understand how much of it you have to take to be good yeah. and what you're willing to risk to become good. Are you willing to risk health and well-being? Thor Bjornsson, I'm assuming you guys know the mountain from yep. Game of Thrones, did a, a massive um, write-up ages ago. Very, very interesting read, but he sort of finished it up with going, I could live as a, a normal human just doing random stuff or I can take performing enhancing drugs and live like a king and be hmm. treated like a king. Hmm. But I could live as a normal person for a long period hmm. or I could live as a king for a short period. Hmm. Will he turn 40, 50 and be on his deathbed and think the exact same thing? Mm. Or, you know, what's going to be the outcome at the end? So these are all the things guys need to weigh up. And, again, no dramas. If guys want to do it in a non-drug-tested sport, go your life. It is what it is. Mm. But, you know, weigh the risks up. It's Yeah, sorry. Mm. Just like um, I've competed against in a drug-tested sport Mm -hmm. against competitors who have taken drugs. Absolutely. Yeah, and, um, Mm. you know, it's really interesting and awesome to hear that you went your whole career without taking anything like that. It's phenomenal. 
In strongman, is it like a lot of people generally do take? At, at the top level, absolutely, you yeah. have to. I, I know guys who have become very sick because of it. I've lost friends due mm. to overuse. There's a bit, and again, there's a big difference between use and abuse. People have got mm. to understand steroids and performing enhancing supplements are good for health. That's why mm. they have them for cancer patients, for burn victims. That's a lot of. There's a bad stigma around a whole lot of it that tells people that it's just going to kill you from the get go. Mm. People mm. don't have that knowledge. They don't learn about it. Mm. You know, there's guys I can tell you now. There's guys who've been. Uh, non per, like non um sorry they've taken performance enhancing drugs their mm. whole career and they've been extremely successful wow. and they're healthy still now because there's a difference between use and abuse but again like like yourself mm. I've been in that same boat as you mm. competing against non drug tested guys and you sort of sit there just going well is this really fair and that mm. type of stuff and it's mm. it's just one of those things where you just sort of I guess grin and bear it and yeah. hopefully turn around and that one day that they get popped. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, there's a whole lot of things that go on behind the scenes as well with that type of stuff. And, you know, I, there's plenty of times where I'm sure guys should have tested positive and they didn't mm. um, for certain reasons going the way they do. Um, but that's just that's just business and that's just life. They know? have uh, yeah. drug testing in, in sport then? Uh, <laughs> I can tell you a funny story of one year of World's Strongest Man where they – they drug tested for like amphetamines and for all that type of stuff. And like a few of the guys got popped, which like was hilarious. Pop. You know, the, it's just one of those things where they don't test. They, they're very cautious on like I had whenever I did a, a big competition, I'd have to get my blood test done. I had to go get all that type of stuff, heart checked and everything like that. Um, and I do that before any of the big super events, before pulling planes, trains, all that type of stuff. I go get. Uh, my my blood pressure's done and everything like that to make sure I'm not going to die or anything stupid while <laughs> I'm doing it. That's a good idea. Right? <laughs> there you go. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, go on. And then after, I'd get tested again to make yeah. sure that the levels had come back down again. That's just due, due diligence and using your brain. Mm. Um, and they do do that type of stuff at the top levels. They do take care of their athletes. Trust me, there's plenty of times I've seen the top guys, uh, the promoters and that, sit down with athletes and go, dude, pull your head in, eh? Mm. Or like, they won't let guys compete because their blood pressure is like 100 over 200 <laughs> yeah, or something geez. ridiculous where they're like literally should be in hospital. <laughs> so there is a lot more caution now. We did have a few guys pass away not too long back, enlarged heart. One mm. guy died on the stage at a comp. Wow. So there is some nasty moments, mm. but they are a lot more careful now, um, especially at the top level. It's the it's the the guys underneath that just don't have a clue and they just – gas up they mm. just don't think and it's like that in most sports bodybuilding yeah mm. the injuries at the top level and mm. that sense are a lot less mm. um because they're a bit smarter it's a lot of the younger guys and they need to learn and it's my generation and the generation before me that need to teach and understand and also teach that you don't necessarily need to be a you know, performing enhancing athlete to mm. be good yeah. or to make it to a certain level. You need to be happy in yourself mm. and at your level. Don't worry about what anybody else does because you can't control what they do. Yeah. You know, you need to do what you do, mm. not what anybody else does. So I remember uh, Tom Platts was saying, um, mm. the bodybuilder, um, that uh, steroids for him were like the, the polish on the car. You know, it was, <laughs> you had to have the genetics, the hard work, the discipline, mm. the motivation, and the years of hard training to get to the point. And then it was like, okay, now if you add in this steroids or these performance enhancers, you will get to this level. But mm. without that first step, 
like you're not going to get there. So yeah. and that's a big thing the guys mm. miss. Dorian Yates very similar to that talks mm. about that. I think that's everyone wants the quick fix, right? Everyone mm. just wants they want it now, 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 yeah. now, 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 now. I was always told if if it was going to be what I was thinking of doing was to do at least till I was 26, 27 years old before I even thought about taking performing enhancing supplements. Mm -hmm. My natural test levels till then were really high. Why yeah. would you need it? You don't need it at that age. But once you start hitting that age, then you can start thinking about it from getting into your 30s and you can hold on to that peak a lot higher and a lot longer. Again, a lot of the guys now do it younger, mm. but they learn right. But a lot of the guys do not learn right, and they just go, mm. "Oh yeah, I've benched like fifty kilos." Yeah, <laughs> fifty kilos. I ran a friend should do me well. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. They see you out benching them and go, nah. that's, it. "That's it. That's the needles." Yeah, that's it. And I better stop doing that at the gym. Anyway, so go on. Thank you, everyone. Feel bad. Now yeah. keep doing it. Keep smashing <laughs> the bros. Now there is another reason why Thor not, might not make it to forty, and that's the the fight coming up with with oh. Eddie Hall. What, from a purist perspective, what are your thoughts? And from that spe spectacle, <laughs> sports entertainment perspective, uh, what are your thoughts? I think you and me had this conversation at the arm wrestling when you when you came to Seoul. But well, I come from a purist background. Well, I came from a wrestling background. I came mm. from an amateur wrestling background, so I do understand the fight game as well. I understand the aspect of uh, entertainment as well, mm. and I understand if I had a multi-million-dollar paycheck, what I'd do too. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to take a few punches to the head for that. <laughs> but at the same time, from a purist point of view, I do think they're making a slight mockery of, of what we do. Mm. Uh, I think they're making a slight mockery of what boxing is. Mm. Yeah. I think they should have more respect for the guys who do the hard yards. Um, <laughs> feel bad for asking now. No, 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 don't feel bad because I've had so many people ask because, again, my, I've competed against both those guys too. Yeah. So I do know them both uh, well enough. Um, you know, again, if I was put in the same position where I was to have a boxing match with another professional, if I was at their popularity level around the world, what would I do? I'd probably take the money and mm. take the fight. You know, you can't answer it until you're in those shoes. Now sitting here, I'd go, well, God, they're just going to look like two walruses hitting each other. <laughs> that actually sounds like a great thing to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. It's That's not going to be a technical fight. They're just nah. two knobheads punching each other. But will you watch it? Will you watch it? I probably yeah. will. I don't want to watch it, but I will. You know, it's so you won't pay for the pay-per-view, but you might go to somebody's yeah. house and stay no, the pay-per-view. You know what? <laughs> Let's all go to the pub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just hope one of them just connects with one out of nowhere and knocks the other one the fuck out. I, I don't. So do you, do you have a prediction? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, again, on? I wasn't, again, I didn't box or anything like that when I was younger, but I got a lot of friends that box. And, you know, you look at it from a purist point of view, Ed Hall was a bouncer for years, typical English boy, boxer when he was younger, athlete as younger. Uh, so, you know, he probably got the edge on just ability because he's just a, I'd say he's a bit of a – he's a hard nut. There's no doubt about that. Like I said, English boy, bouncer for years, can mm. can go. Uh, technically, cannot go, but just tougher. You know, he, he – I again, he's done a lot more training boxing in the last few years than I have, so mm. I probably wouldn't, you know, try and size up to a boxing match with myself. But Thor has – Thor's taller, longer reach. That's what everyone's saying. He's, you know – He looks Ed, incredible. Ed, Ed won't be able to get in close to him, blah, 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 blah. But my theory is Thor is still that 
he's still not that tough, hard-nosed Ed Hall. I feel he's still got that movie star attitude where he just doesn't have that grit yeah. that Ed has. Ed's just got that grit that'll go through Thor's punches and just... I feel like he'll he'll end it. I believe Ed will win the fight mm-hmm. um, because he's just a tougher guy, better a- athlete in that sense. He's just got a better mindset, in my opinion. Thor just has the reach advantage and has had two amateur. Well, he's had two, uh, I guess, like exhibition fights. Yeah, but I can tell you, I know how those exhibition fights went. <laughs> Let me pay you so you don't knock me the fuck out. <laughs> because he fought he fought an English guy recently, boxer, like an actual boxer who's like twenty two. Fights three losses, seventeen wins, mm. or, or whatever it was, and, and one, um, uh, one even. Mate, if that mm. guy wanted to take him seriously, he was going to knock Thor out in the middle of the ring in the first goddamn round. Yeah, but he mm. didn't. He just gave him that attitude to feel what it's like to be up against mm. the boxer. So that's probably where Thor has taken advantage in that sense. But I still think it will win the fight. Mm. I hope they knock I, each other out. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think, Izzy? Well, I reckon Ed, from what you said, but I wouldn't discount like. Someone being taller, I'd love to mm. share with you all. I fought a six foot three man a few weeks ago. <laughs> wow. uh, it was a great experience. And going into it, I was just thinking of Mike Tyson obviously being shorter. Mm. My goal was to go in there and get up as close as I could and, you know, just side body and get in up close. That was what I was thinking. Mm. So Ed being shorter, I reckon from what you've said, like especially English guys, generally they all do boxing. Mm, Um, Growing up it's much more integrated in their culture and I would 100% just on that say he's probably got more experience and everything. It's it's a big part of their culture there. Mm. And I reckon that height difference won't be an issue and you've said he's got a better attitude as well and that's everything in sport. Mm, What about you guys? Oh, oh, so oh. We're going to have to place a bet. Let's start betting. Oh, wait. I don't know if I can condone betting. So sorry. You go. <laughs> We're doing Bitcoin or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth nothing. What do I want that for? Yeah, well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think what you were saying before about the height and the reach advantage, uh, It, I mean, you, you have to know how to use it. And if you if you first fight or, you know, if you're emotionally invested and, and you're not thinking technical aspects of what you're trying to do and, and your footwork and your distance and trying to keep a good jab and a, and a, and a right going and Eddie's just going to bull rush him, step mm. straight into, into his mm. space and crowd him, um, I don't see Thor being able to have the skill level needed to be able to use that mm. height yeah. and, and reach advantage. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to sort of develop that until – quite you know it's it's years of, of hard work and, and, mm. and being able to use that um yeah so so many people go, oh but this guy's tall or this guy's mm. got a great reach mm. does he know how to use it that's the difference you guys are fighting like john jones or somebody who, you mm. know, who knows how to keep that distance no matter what somebody's rushing at him he's he puts his hand straight out like he's just you are staying at that distance no matter what um i don't see the mountain as seeing how developing that skill within mm. you know what has it been a year mm. year and a half something mm. like that so it should be an interesting fight i think my prediction is a decision and i think after mm. the uh, first the mm. first round i mm. think the first 30 seconds will be mayhem of mm. of craziness and then they'll gas <laughs> and they'll <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll be a lot of leaning on each other and hugging and heavy breathing. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah. So if there's not a knockout in the first minute, I think it's going to go decision. Oh, it's yeah. most heavyweight mm-hmm. fights tend to do, um, especially with guys who don't know what they're doing. Uh, so is, is this is this what we were talking about? What you're doing at a club level with wrestling? Mm. They're doing uh, with two strong men in a boxing ring. So it's everybody can. 
pick a side. The fight's relatively even in most people's mind at this point in time, and we're all going for the spectacle. We're all going for the car crash. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, well, you've got a story there. I mean, these guys have a big rivalry there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eddie deadlifted the 500 kilos, and the mountain came along and said, I'm going to do 501, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to was it? I'm not going to sit down afterwards <sighs> Mate, or something. I have no <laughs> doubt these two have sat down behind closed doors and just <laughs> nutted this out lovely, and much mm. respect mm. to both of them for nutting this out because mm-hmm. they've done this so well sucking mm. everyone into it. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, like you said, this is going to be just the biggest car wreck and I'm going to hate every minute of it <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a competitor and as a lover of fight, fight game. Um, but at the same time, people are going to make some big money, mm. absolute big money. Yeah, well, if you're a promoter or if you've got two guys that, even if they're from another sport and it's like, well, these guys are huge, they're big, strong people, they have a, a rivalry between each other. Mm. Um, we want to see them compete against each other. You know, with strongman, it's like, well, you're lifting the weight, and now you're lifting the weight. There's no physical kind of I'm, I'm obviously better than you. I physically dominated you. Mm. So to be able to go, okay, well, let's put you in a boxing mm. ring or, you know, an arm wrestling match mm. or something where it's like now you don't have any excuses. You you are taking on his body. It's you versus you. So um, that's the sort of thing that they've created with that. And it's like you know, uh, you can have them in competing in a strongman event where it's like, okay, who's going to win the event by lifting the most or winning the, the, the race or, or mm-hmm. whatever the event is that um, goes through. But when it's a physical competition and you've got two guys, it's like, let's get these two massive guys mm-hmm. in the ring and they'll fight each other and it's going to be a proper fight. It's going to be a boxing match. So you can see the mm-hmm. somebody who's come up with that and gone, oh, there's an opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. going to get these two guys that have this thing. There's a storyline there. We can promote it. We can get people interested in it and people will want to see it. It's like, oh, I'm a big fan of Thor. I want to see him fight yes. and I hate Eddie Hall and I want to, you know. So, yeah, you, you have that story that you can create behind it. Do you, do you think if we saw Conor McGregor knocked out in the mm. first round with Mayweather, mm. whether we'd be seeing – this fight coming up and others, including Jake Paul. Do I was, you, you I've had that in the back of my mind this entire time. Yeah. Mayweather, God damn it, Paul. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's another step ahead. I think uh, Tyrone Woodley's in the way at the moment. I don't so, uh, talk Jake about Paul, this. Tyrone Woodley. Uh, let's talk about yeah. this. <laughs> this is exactly how I feel as well. I I just hate just going, yeah. Well, you know what? We just, you know what we completely missed? So, we were all there just thinking about who's going to win this fight, but we totally, well, I completely forgot the fact that, you know, this is the type of fight it is. It's a construction. Is it actually a fight? Is it going to be. So, that was going to be my question to you guys. Yeah. This is sports entertainment. Well, you got to remember this has been done in Vegas, right? Mm. So it's got to be under Vegas rules. So it means the guys have to get drug tested, right? Because mm. they would have to if that was a legitimate fight. So I assume that this fight's an exhibition. Mm. Mm. Most probably. Unless one of those two guys wants to get a drug test, which I'll piss myself <laughs> because <laughs> if they can even pass that, there's a win for everybody yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming to do a, a licensed fight, mm. you'd have to be underwater or some world doping federation, correct? It must be an exhibition. Mm. Yeah. Because, well, what was Mike Tyson's? Uh, that, an exhibition? that was an exhibition. Because fight. there's yeah. no way he's passing out of drugs. No. Either, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- this is just what I mean. Like, people got to look into the intricacies of something mm. like this, too, because. Again, like I said, I just assume that it'd have to be an exhibition. So is, uh, do we know the rule set? Is it three-minute rounds or something? 30-second <laughs> rounds. So 30 seconds, that's right. <laughs> five-minute five break between rounds. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, that I mean, heavyweights are always like that. Because of the power that they generate, you've got that sacrifice of you get tired really fast. That lactic yeah. acid build-up right. is like that. And, mm. yeah, the difference when you've got, you know, the super lightweight guys, you use straw weights and that, and they're full of energy and they mm. can throw a million punches for nonstop. Mm. But, um, you know, one of those heavyweight punches is just, you know, it's a devastating. Cannonball. Yeah. Absolutely. And most of the time, and especially what I've seen in UFC, if 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 it goes past the first round, it's going to decision. Unless <laughs> <laughs> someone gets very lucky. That's right, absolutely. Because mm. these guys, they're just they've used all that energy and moving that big body around mm. and throwing that much power or wrestling or. Well, I remember, I remember Marius Pudzianowski when he moved out of mm. out of strongman into MMA mm-hmm. and by some of his first fights, oh, mate, yeah. they were hilarious. Was so he turned purple. Oh, man. <laughs> I was his shoulders, his shoulders look like your hat. Like, he'd, he'd try and punch and he's so big. He's just, everything's turning red and purple. He's trying to throw punches and nothing's happening or he's putting up his guard and because his arms are so big, he's like oh, this. The guy's like, all right, yeah, yeah. whack straight through the middle on his face. Yeah. Like, oh, that was one of the craziest things ever. He fought Tim Sylvia, who was a former Tim UFC Sylvia. heavyweight champion. Yeah. So Mario's won a couple of fights against some no-name no guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, he fought Tim Sylvia. Uh, first round, there was a lot of grappling. I think there was game plan was just to grapple <laughs> the crap out of it. Yeah. Um, the second round, Marius literally, literally turns purple. He, his body, his muscles are sucking so much oxygen <laughs> that you watch the... It's like a phantom got, suit. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, and, it's, and it's not an exaggeration. He is yeah. turning like a grape colour during the match and he gasses out basically and Tim's just laying on him because Tim was out of shape at that time. Anyway, um, I think he ended up winning in a in a side control, and I reckon the referee just said, "Yeah, okay, that's yeah. enough." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's uh, gonna have an He's oxygen gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Have you got something for the fight? Have you got a thought on it? I, I like I like Eddie. I, I just think um, from what I mean, you can only go on the snippets that you see on mm. YouTube, which um, you know. But if that's the best information that's available compared to seeing Thor's form, in especially in the last two exhibition fights, he seems to have no snap. Thor seems to really struggle to manifest that power into anything that's usable in a boxing ring. Um, the uh, And when he's punching, he's punching from outside, mm. almost like this. Uh, there's no snap. Whereas Eddie, it, I, I think it might be just that muscle memory. I think those neuro pathways are really yep. hardwired and he moves like a boxer. Mm. Um, he moves under, he, he's, uh, his, his body sings with his hands. Mm. Um and I think it'll be that coordination. I don't think there's any lack of power there. And I think Eddie can <laughs> access more of the power mm. uh, in a boxing ring than perhaps Thor can. So that's where my money will be. I just find it funny. I just think of a good Simpsons moment there when Homer takes up boxing and punches the bag and the flies on it. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, you need to see it. But wait, you go, don't you? As soon as, that, as soon as this fight came up that we all knew it was happening, every strongman around the world just universally put that up because <laughs> I saw the guys punching going, that's such a big guy oh, hitting a great. bag and nothing is happening. Yeah. So you just, and then he's hit, hits the fly, the fly goes off and he leans into the ropes and deep breathes for like 30 seconds. That is going to be this fight for sure. Like such, so much size and strength to do absolutely 
fuck all. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so much hype. That's so epic. much hype. So much attention. Some say, oh, okay, so punching isn't your thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. The two guys are going to walk in the ring, stand there and watch each other and go, I'm going to let the other one punch themselves out. And they just stand and watch each other for three rounds. Hopefully someone gets one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be the best thing for boxing. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a spectacle either way. That, mm. yeah, that's what, I mean, Jake Paul thing. Oh, that's, God. That's where that's, that's heading. That's worse. I, 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 you, why? I, that's the idea, though. So, that's, you got to see me angry. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, wait, wait. I want to say I need to report back on the Googling I did okay. about the rules. They're not releasing the rules about this mm. fight, which is interesting, but they are hyping it as the world's heaviest boxing match in uh, history. Okay. Yeah. But well, there are no rules to be found. Right. That's always a bad sign. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I will say they both look the best they've looked in well forever. Right. You know they oh, look amazing. Thor's a, Thor's a freak. He's gone from two hundred five or two ten to one fifty five. He's gone from looking like a strong man. He looks like a fitness looks competitor like a fitness at one hundred and fifty five wow. kilos. Yeah, he, he could walk on a on a fitness stage and look good. Yeah, and on the other hand, that shorter, stockier build, mm. but he looks freaky he's, as well. He's ripped. Yeah, right now. they both look. Great, absolutely mm. great. It, it, it's a good it's a good example as to when you take elite athletes and <clears> you turn their attention to something, how whatever it might be, they apply <clears> those principles to what they're doing. And both of them are downsized. Both of them obviously put an enormous amount of effort into their into their training. But what kind of spectacle we'll see is mm. uh, is to be seen. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll, so. be fun. it'll be fun. It's a fun thing. I can't. It's good for the kids. <laughs> no, no we're, see more of this. we're going to see more and more of this. But, but it, 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 so this is very interesting because now we're starting to see the, the crossovers kind of meld together. So you've got you've got Gallon mm. uh, competing. I don't know if that's for the heavyweight title. But it's against the total holder, right? Uh, against Honey, so you've got uh, now you've got somebody's crossing over from rugby, uh, mm-hmm. finding their way in. But I, I think legitimately paving a way. But now he's teed up the biggest fight in Australian heavyweight history, um, and people want to watch it. But I don't know if too many people would have wanted to watch the heavyweight title of Australia. Being no. fought on pay per view, otherwise, it's one mm. of those things. Natural Agreed. athletes can go between sports. Let's be honest here. If Michael mm. Jordan wanted to take up boxing, he probably could take up boxing because mm. he's just a natural with base athlete. <laughs> yeah, I, I was waiting for that. I'm, like, I'm, I'm waiting for the baseball one to come out here. But let's be honest here. The guy, the, guy, the guy came out and played baseball at, at a high enough level. He just unfortunately got smashed. Out. Yeah, and but, at the end, and at the end of his job. athletic career as well. You know? <laughs> but he was in he was in Space Jam, so that's all. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's the peak. So, yeah, so acting is uh, similar. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood over here. Of course, you say that. <laughs> he was good. I've watched it with my kids. They liked it. He's very good. I think that, they're doing a sequel to that. They are. Yeah, yeah. Space yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're excited. We're up to date with all Warner Brother news That's now. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. <laughs> You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. If you would like further information about today's guest, Jordan Biggie Steffens, you can check him out on his website, www.kingofthecircus.com.au. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups with a board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience 
Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.